As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh. He doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30, the 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams get a throw. One on one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Theo at the 35. Theo, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Theo, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. It's good. It's good. Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Carter Good God, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnata, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to preview Carolina's game against Georgia Tech in Chapel Hill. The Tar Heels looking to avenge last year's loss in Atlanta, an embarrassing 45-22 loss to the Yellow Jackets, and one that really sort of set the course for Carolina's rough 2021 season. So Carolina, back-to-back revenge games to finish up this 2022 regular season and it starts on Saturday as we mentioned uh, you know on the last edition of the podcast Carolina has already clinched the ACC Coastal they are heading to Charlotte they have also clinched a perfect season on the road so now everything is at home starting with this game on Saturday but with that, really quickly, I did want to talk about Carolina being ranked number 13 in the poll. This is kind of polarizing. I didn't even have this on the sheet uh, when I was prepping this yesterday. But I noticed the article that I wrote on HeelToughBlog.com um, where I pretty much made the case that Carolina is being a little disrespected. I think there are some people that kind of took that a little bit wrong. I, I believe there are some people that thought I was trying to make the case that Carolina should be actually in the playoff field as of right now. Um, that, no. There, First of all, every team that is in the playoff field right now is undefeated. Carolina has one loss, and it was to a Notre Dame team that wasn't great at the time, but has certainly gotten better. My thing was, I thought that 13, some of the teams that were ranked ahead of them, I thought it was a little bit disrespectful. Where do you stand on that? Because I think the biggest issues that I had, I thought Oregon, especially with how recently they lost, 
just lost last week. I thought Carolina should have been ahead of them. And I think Carolina, I mean, do they have a better win than Penn State? Penn State has beaten nobody to this point in the season, and they have lost twice. I, I, I Those are the teams that I was trying to make the case for. Do you think I have one? I don't think so. I I think they're right where they should be. They they're nine and one, um, but what's their what's their best win? It's Duke. Then that's better than that's better than any win Penn State has. May I mean maybe? Um, I, I, who's Penn State's best win? I I would have Oregon ahead of, of of Carolina because they have. First off, I think they're you know they've they've played a, a much tougher schedule, um, and I mean they've they've got a win over a UCLA team that's better win than 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 Carolina has. They also have a forty six point loss, and if in we a game. played Georgia, we would probably lose by forty two or more as well. Not so, even not even close. So I I don't really have an issue with where Carolina. Came in, and this is why, you know, when we were arguing a few weeks ago about Carolina and the record, I said, "Look, now, now you're starting to see why, when you're barely beating teams that you should be pummeling into the ground, you're going to get. This is where you're going to fall, and that's their problem. I think, you know, if if they were coming out here and they were beating teams by three or four touchdowns." And you came in thirteenth, then you could say, okay, Carolina. You know, in the in, in the in the game control metric, they're really good, but they're not doing that. You're, you're beating a two win, three win Virginia team by three on the road, and, and so that's that's why they are where they are. And um, the the good news is for Carolina is that hopefully starting next year this won't matter because hopefully this year, this time next year, we have a twelve team playoff. Well, they wouldn't even be guaranteed to make the twelve teamer. And, this point. and and then so like next year if we're sitting here at nine and one and we got a twelve team projection field and Carolina doesn't show up on the graphic, then you have a much more, you know, legitimate argument. So I don't have as much as a problem with it. I do think with with you know a game next week against right now a ranked opponent and then an ACC title game against a ranked opponent, Carolina's not making the playoff, but they have a chance to earn that respective if they beat those two ranked opponents because in your only marquee game of the year you were down 24 points at home to a Notre Dame team that lost at home to Marshall. And 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 that that has to be taken into account. I mean, I think it is, and I think that it's being held way too much against them. I think that you've seen first first of all, Notre Dame is a team that just simply dominates the ACC. Uh, if we're going with that, well, didn't they absolutely destroy Clemson as and well? That's who why is, Clemson is who where is they Clemson, are. Who is Clemson beat though? How is Carolina not closer to them then? They've got a win over NC State, which at the time was a top ten matchup. It doesn't matter though. They beat Wake Forest none on of, the road. None of what it doesn't matter what they were at the time though, right? Isn't that what the committee is telling us? They beat that's, a Wake Forest team that's ranked inside the top twenty. Like you look we at beat their, the way we beat the same Wake Forest team that they did, and they beat Florida State, who's inside the top twenty. That's the one that I would give them. I'm not saying that they should be ahead of Clemson or. I, even one spot behind Clemson. I said I thought Clemson. First of all, I thought Clemson should have been ahead of Bama because I don't. I mean, what, Bama's beaten Ole Miss, but outside of that, they haven't really beaten anybody. And I mean, they just they have not looked apart so far this year. My thing, my my issue with the committee is there is no consistency to what they use to rank teams because how in the world is NC State still ranked after? what may be the worst loss in all of Power 5 this year. Still ranked inside the top 25. But it seems like when you get anywhere 
closer to the top, it's being held against ACC teams that they play in the ACC. That's, to me, that just does not make any sense. And that's what I think we're asking for from the committee as a whole. And it will extend into the 12-team playoff. Is Where is the consistency when it comes to how you rank these teams? Why do the standards seem to change, one, from year to year, and two, at this point, it almost seems like it's week to week at times. It changes outside of the top, outside of the top four. I will say maybe the top six. Once you get into the middle portion of those rankings, it seems like every week it's just a complete crapshoot. Teams moving up, teams moving down. It, there's no formula to it, and it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And it's they they better figure it out with the 12 team playoff on the way. I mean that's that's kind of where I'm at. But you you brought it up. I thought that was a great point that you made last night when we were talking about this. That the reason why there's no consistency, there's no consistency with the actual playoff committee itself in terms of who's on it. Changes every year. Yep. So the standards change every year. It's just you're right though. Hopefully at this point next year we'll be having more conversations about Carolina and the college football playoff but let's talk about this game this weekend in Chapel Hill we're going to be in attendance for this one Um, I am extremely glad I'm going to be able to go to this one I'm feeling real good anybody that was wondering about that uh, things have really gotten back on track so that, that I'm going to be in attendance for this game and this is one where it's weird because I think the betting line kind of tells you what you should expect from this game. Carolina is a 21 and a half point favorite in this game. Yep. It's a team that is down to their third string quarterback. It's a team that is not a, I mean just even when they had Jeff Sims in there, even Zach Pyron who some of their people really really like, some of their fans, some of the people out around the program really like for the future. This was still an offensive team that was absolutely hideous at times. So Carolina should dominate this game. But I think what we've kind of learned with this team, as you've kind of said, outside of the Virginia Tech game, Carolina hasn't really beaten anybody into the ground. I think the bigger question, though, is, is Georgia Tech, where they're at right now, on that Virginia Tech level? I I think they're the team that's closest to it. But it's it's really hard to, to to expect Carolina to to beat this team and beat them soundly because they they haven't done that outside of a Virginia Tech team which is one of the worst in program history and then you look at the second half what you did against Pittsburgh where I think when Carolina plays to you know it's 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 best that's who they are and they possess that ability but then you go on the road next week against a Virginia team and you give up twenty eight I mean like the way Forced win, like we knew what that game was going to be. So, not going to hold that against it. That's what that game's been for the last three years. But it's really hard to expect Carolina to cover this game because of the way your defense plays. It doesn't matter that this is one of the, mo- the more inept offenses in college football because your defense doesn't stop anybody really until the fourth quarter. And then, I mean, I you know, you do have to wonder for this team, and this is where, you know, Mac Brown's experience coaching has got to show up. Does does complacency set in? Do they overlook the opponent because they've already clinched that berth in Charlotte? And and if, if so, Carolina could find themselves in trouble. Uh, but if not, this is a team that if Carolina, you know, prepared the right way, 
and and they play to the level that they're capable of, this game should be over at halftime. Maybe I am a bit of a simpleton or moron to think that this team will not overlook them because or a homer. Well, I mean that could be that could be it too. But here's the thing: I think what happened to them last week or last week last year in Atlanta. That that has to play a factor here, right? You'd hope so. Because you got absolutely destroyed. That by a you team get, that wasn't good. You didn't get destroyed. You got embarrassed. You let a bad football team punk you, bully you. So, I mean, okay, we're getting back into a dark place. You Let's know, get back to the nine and one team. Everything that they wanted to do to your team last year, they did. And I think you know we came on here and said it after that game. We knew after that game. Season was they were they were cooked. Yeah, like it would that that like, was like really the season opener hard to recover from. Like the season opener against Virginia Tech, I predicted us to get beaten that game because it wasn't that much a surprise. That game was, but that game, as Mac Brown referenced during the spring and the summer, that was the game that fueled him and his staff and the players this off season. Mm-hmm. It was looking ba- it was it was looking back at that at that fourth, you know, that that game, that second half was absolutely pathetic, but it's fueled them to where they are now. So yeah, I hope this this team takes the mindset of of what happened last year was unacceptable and they come out here and they kick this team's ass. Um and and really avenge last season's loss and they're, they're more than capable of because Carolina is more. I mean, they're more gifted. They're more talented. They're deeper. They're better coached. They're Georgia. I mean, we, Tech, we thought all. We thought all of that last year. Though, Georgia too. Tech isn't a. Georgia Tech wouldn't beat half the teams in the American Conference. So this is a game that Carolina at home. Oh wow! Should 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 run out of the building. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think one of the things that people are going to look at is they had that sort of midseason run once they new coach let, boost. Yeah, once once they let. Jeff Collins walked. They got that interim coach boost. Especially, I will say this: if you're going to fire your head coach and you're looking for that interim coach boost, always, always go with your O line coach because those dudes are are just insane. And it always seems to work a little bit. Their problem is, is that they have just. I mean, they have so many injuries. Man, this team is beating the hell up, and it's at. The, the really the most important position, Jeff Sims, Zach Pyron, as I mentioned, both of those guys will not play in this game. So Zach Gibson is going to be the guy that starts the game. Now that we've seen him a little bit earlier in the year, but I mean, he first of all, the other two guys bring a rushing threat out of the quarterback spot. He does not. He's a pocket-based quarterback. So look, that's what ultimately them as a program, they want long-term because they're still trying to get away from Paul Johnson and the offense, you know, the the offense he ran there for so long with so much success, but it's not with this team that they're still not built to really have that much success. I mean, look, this is a team that's averaging seventeen point one points per game, three hundred and twenty seven yards of total offense. Carolina has that in. I mean, they may average that in the second half of games this season. I mean, that is pathetic in modern-day college football. Uh, 190.4 passing yards. This is the most shocking thing, though. They only run for 136.6 rushing yards. And look, I get it. They lost Jameer Gibbs. That was a huge loss for them. He had a good game against Carolina last year, but 
they, they still have talent there. You got the Louisville transfer, Hassan Hall, who I think a lot of people thought was going to be a lot better than he has been. And Dante Smith, I mean, Dante Smith found the end zone three times, but it's still not a team, a, a, a typical Georgia Tech team that even while they've been making this sort of transition, they've still been able to run the football pretty well. Um, the wide receiver group is not great. They got Nate McCollum. I think that's the guy to keep an eye on. But the, the the biggest thing that you always look for when you play Georgia Tech is their deep play threat. They don't really have one on this roster. That's been something that's hurt Carolina a lot in the past against Georgia Tech, and it would hurt this year's team, but they don't really have that guy. Hopefully that, that guy doesn't appear in this game against this Carolina secondary, but I think McCollum's probably that one guy that you got to focus on. And the thing is, is look, this offensive line, this is a third straight offensive line that Carolina has played that is simply not good. This one, though, is the worst. I apologize. I came on here a couple weeks ago and I said that Virginia was the worst offensive line in the Power Five. (laughs) Uh, No, I clearly overlooked Georgia Tech. They rank 122nd in sacks, 124th in tackles for loss. And again, look at their rushing numbers. It's not a team that really run blocks that well either this offense Carolina's defense I mean I'm not I'm not saying you got to dominate this team you should we just know where you are but my god you should you should be able to hold this team to a similar number to what Virginia Tech did because this is not a good offense right now yeah and I just don't have any confidence that they're going to be able to do just that they bad they played a bad offensive line two weeks ago gave up 28 points and got pushed around Wake Forest that offensive line because the way they run their offense is unique with the mesh point it makes it hard on your defensive uh, tackles to either you know be really aggressive and rush the quarterback or kind of staying in their space to be able to play the run game defensive line you know outside of whenever Cayman Rucker shows up Javari Ritzy, Javari Ritzy shows up they don't have much of a pulse right now and so that's why the onus is going to be on the linebacking core to make the plays and and look Cedric Gray and Power Reckles have Cedric Gray is one of the top tacklers not just in the ACC but all of college football mm-hmm. Power Reckles has done a really nice job being you know the Robin to his Batman Ra Ra Dilworth has made timely plays at, at times as well. And this could come down to that secondary. You know, you mentioned they have they have one guy that can we gotta take away. And it's gonna be interesting to see. Do we get the the, the versions of Storm Duck we've saw the last couple weeks? Well, he struggled last week. Though. Yeah, but yeah, he, he's, he's gotta bounce back from that one. He's trending better, I've thought. Yeah, since oh, Wake oh definitely, Forest. definitely. Uh Tony Grimes is he is what he is right now. He's a guy who does a lot of talking but not a lot of playing. And then that secondary, you know, they're gonna they're gonna make they're gonna take bad angles and they're going to miss tackles. So it's really going to be – I don't really know what to expect from Carolina's defense because uh, what have we ever this season? Well, though? because this like, is a game where like, a point. like we're like they, sh- they they should give up they should not give up more than seventeen points. Yeah, but they're going to. Ah, you would think. I don't. I, I mean, look, I could see this being like Virginia Tech. I really could because I just there. The one thing that Carolina has struggled against is when the, when teams have playmakers. Every team that Carolina has played, there's been playmakers on those offenses. Who? Who's the playmakers on this offense? Like, I, I unless Hassan Hall just has, like, some breakout game. I mean, McCollum's been solid, but he's averaging 10 yards a catch. Like, I, I just I, – there's nothing – there's nothing great about this offense. 
There's not an element that you seen that that you should be afraid of. Like they don't have a tight end that can really hurt Carolina either. I don't know. And and look, you're right. I think the corners are playing better. I think Tony Grimes has definitely played a lot better here down the stretch. Um, seemed like he's been a more willing tackler as well. So I mean, for him, I, I you you know still definitely a little critical. I I I think I think he's played better. I I I've said it. I said it the other day when I was talking to our guy Tommy who's in sales here at the station we work at. Um, I, I don't. I, I think the corners have looked better. I don't think they're the biggest problem with the secondary. I think it's the safeties. Um, Cameron Kelly got absolutely lit up the other night. I didn't put him on my stock report as trending down because he made the biggest play of the night. He let up 102 yards receiving on three catches before that. Two touchdowns. Like... The safeties are so clearly the biggest issue with this. Is it with the D? I wouldn't say with the defense. With the secondary. I think they're the second biggest issue with the defense. The defensive front, I mean, look. You got to have a game somewhere, right? Maybe we don't want it to be this game if we're having to just pick one. We would like that for that to be State or Clemson. But... I mean, this is a group that you should at least be able to have some sort of success against. And and my question is, I, I've noticed it again. They they don't seem to be rotating as much as they were, even in that pit game. Like, where is Jacoby Cowan? He's kind of disappeared. They're not playing him. I don't get why. Like, I get it that he might not be the guy that's really getting to the quarterback, but we saw it in that pit game. He was drawing defenders. It was allowing other guys to be able to get some pressure. And I look, the pressure numbers the other night were actually pretty solid against Wake Forest. But the fact of the matter is they've got to be able to finish those pressures with sacks. They're not doing it this year. They have 15 the whole season. You need a more consistent performance. And against a a third-string quarterback that will be making his, I believe it's his, he might be his second career start. I think he did start one of the games that Sims was out. But still, you should be able to tee off against this dude. So we'll see. It's a challenge for, for, for this defense. Step up and Put up the type of performance that you did against Virginia Tech because this offense is very similar. Now, on the defensive side of the ball for Georgia Tech, it's a, it's a unit that's all right. I mean, 28.7 points per game, not great, but still not terrible. 404 yards of total offense, 220.4 passing yards per game. So solid back there. Their problem is they are not a good run def- uh, a defensive run team. rushing yards per game. That's really the weakness because the secondary, really three guys that are probably maybe the best on this defense. Miles Brooks at safety along with Clayton Powell-Lee. And then they've got cornerback Zamari Walton. So this secondary is one that will be a little bit of a challenge uh, for Carolina to face. Uh, they also have to face a really talented pass rusher in Keon White uh, against a Tar Heel offensive line that really, really struggled a week ago. The right side of the Tar Heel offensive line combined, 13 pressures allowed. Spencer Rolland allowed seven total pressures. Two of them were sacks, five of them quarterback hurries. It was a rough, rough performance for those two overall. Him and William Barnes have to bounce back in this game against this defensive line. Also, Daquan Douse, a guy to take a look at in the middle of that defense. Keep an eye on him. You know, Corey Gaynor sort of steadied himself here a little bit, but he's had some moments this year 
where some of those big defensive tackles have been able to sort of cause some issues. Carolina can't allow that to happen in this game. You want to see Carolina be able to run the ball ultimately against this struggling team. And look, their linebacking court's a smaller group. That's really what it is. Uh, but they do have uh, you know, a guy in the middle that I think compares very well uh, to Cedric Gray with the way that he plays in Anidi uh, Elay. So I-, I think that's a guy that you have to keep an eye on if uh, you're the Tar Heels. Um, that, that defense, they don't have a ton of stars, but a really solid overall group. But I think ultimately, the team that's struggling against the run, Carolina's trying to sort of find their run game, to find a little bit more consistency for sure. They should be able to run the ball in this game. Yeah, they should. Um, you know, you look at the, those rushing numbers, they're not very good. But right now, Carolina only trusts one guy to, co- to, to carry the ball outside of Drake May. To take a single carry, yeah, yes. And, that, and right now, that's just Elijah Green. So, I think the biggest thing for Carolina in this game was physicality. That was why this offense got overwhelmed a year ago, was that Georgia Tech was just more physical than Carolina was. And so, that's got to be something that Carolina's got to look themselves in the mirror and say to themselves, we're going to be more physical. We're going to be the physical football team. It starts up front where you mentioned the offensive line. They did not play well a week ago. They graded out horribly. You had guys getting graded in the in the high 20s uh, for, for, for their offensive pass blocking grade, which isn't very William, good. William Barnes was down there. Oh, yeah. So... Um, you know, you, you you got that. So this is a chance really for this offense. You know what Drake May is going to do. You know what Josh Downs is going to do. You're building towards your last two games of the year against NC State and then that ACC title game with Clemson. You got to find some other things, I think, that are that are working for you and then that are going in that, in that way. This is a good chance for you to find what you've got maybe and whether you go back to, you know, to, to, to DJ Jones in the backfield or, or Marion Hampton, you find Find another wide receiver with Antoine Green out to get involved. This is a chance for Carolina to to find a few more answers on offense outside of the you know the known commodities before they have that all important rivalry game on Black Friday and then they play for a conference championship. Well, let's take a look at some of the other Tar Heel storylines, and I think clearly the biggest one is Drake May. Can he sort of take another step towards locking up his ticket at least to New York City? And I think the the ultimate question now is, though, is the way that he's been playing, the hype that he has received this week, will he be able to put up another performance that sort of gets the national people buzzing again? Because I think if he comes out and puts up, he doesn't. it doesn't have to be the type of performance that he had the other night. 519 yards of total offense and four touchdowns, that's asking a lot. But if it's similar to some of what we've seen from him throughout the year, uh, I, I really think that he will only continue to further his, his case to win the Heisman Trophy. I, I don't think there's a lot of people this week that can help themselves. And look, Georgia Tech's not the best opponent, but if he comes out and dominates a conference opponent, it certainly can't hurt. Yeah, yeah, I, I think right now the the focus is just making sure he gets to New York and make sure that he's you know he's a Heisman Trophy finalist. He's still not the front runner. I don't think he's going to win the award, but he at least needs to be there. 
and this is another chance for him to solidify just that positioning and that standing. Um, you know, Mac Brown kind of came out and said this week, look, the Heisman Award is a team award. It usually goes to the the best player on the best team. Well, Carolina may have the best player in college football, but he's not on the best team Which in college football. Which is why the Heisman Trophy is completely flawed. So, you know, I, I think that's going to be the thing. He'll have a chance the last two weeks, I think, to really win it. If, if if there's, you know, if, if enough things happen, like, you know, I, I still look at what Hendon Hooker has done, and he would he would still be the guy that I would vote for for the Heisman Trophy Award. I would vote for Drake May over C.J. Stroud. Um, I'm kind of torn on Blake Corum because I think you take him away from that Michigan offense. I don't know where Michigan is without him. So They're, but, be- they're a hell of a lot better than we are without Drake May. So I, I think that's the thing is that, you know, this is another chance for him just to, to just solidify the fact he'll be a Heisman Trophy finalist, and then Carolina can build off of the momentum of campaigning him in for the Heisman right now into the offseason and do a much better job when we kick off next year having him positioned to be a legitimate contender for the Heisman Trophy. I mean, I think I, I think what we saw this week is he is a legitimate contender. I mean, the, the, the Athletic released an article the other day. They did a straw poll of Heisman voters, and right now he is neck and neck with Hendon Hooker. I mean, there there is a legitimate shot that he can win this thing. So I think, you know, you talked about motivation for this game. I think last year's game is definitely one of them. But I think there the, there is a reason why Mac Brown came out and said the thing about this being a team award. I think he wants the guys on this team to realize we've got a chance for Drake May to win the Heisman Trophy here. If you step up and play for Drake, you can get him that award. We may not be going to the playoff, but we can still get to a New Year's Six game, and we can win our quarterback the Heisman Trophy. We have to be able to help him out. So I think that's going to be some motivation, or at least should be some motivation, for this team in this game. Now, offensively, look, Carolina's rolling, but they do have something that is pretty significant that they will have to navigate. Antoine Green, of course, he left in the first, uh, the second quarter, excuse me, the other night against Wake Forest. Now it kind of leaves this wide receiving core a little bit in flux. Now look, they've been through this earlier in the season when they didn't have them, and they were without them for the entire second half, really the majority of the game, because it was early in the second quarter that he got banged up against uh, Wake Forest. So, I mean, look, it's it's something that Carolina has dealt with throughout the year, but the way that he had been playing, and I think the fact that you're seeing – you know, J.J. Jones has had some quieter weeks here recently. Gavin Blackwell you know, has come into some of these games but hasn't really made a major impact. It, it might be generating at least a little concern about what Carolina can do outside of Josh Downs and, and maybe the tight end group, which really stepped up last week led by Bryson Nesbitt. And that's, that's where I turn back to. This is a good chance for... Phil Longo to go back to the way we threw the football the first month of the season. 
without Josh Downs. You didn't have a guy that you and, and Antoine Green, where you didn't have a guy that you could push the football down the field to. So we just threw those intermediate 5, 10, 15 yard routes, and Drake may still put up numbers, and this offense still, you know, was was in a really good rhythm. And so that's going to be the thing is, you know, without him, do they have someone that can push the football down the field too? But if not, I still think you've got so many weapons and you've got a known commodity in what Kobe Pesor can do for you, what J.J. Jones can do for you. Same thing for Gavin Blackwell. You know, integrate those guys in, but bring back Kamari Morales, bring back Bryson Nesmith, bring bring back John Copenhaver. Use those guys as well in your passing game. And then if you run the football a little bit better, Carolina's offense should still put up the numbers we expect them to put up on Saturday. Well, the other thing is also keep an eye on Elijah Green out of the backfield. Can he help you? You know, he's he's shown some flashes of that. Not quite like Caleb Hood was showing, but get him involved as well. But I think ultimately what you said, I, I think there's a chance for the guys on the outside to start to emerge. Antoine Green's not coming back next year. So this is your chance to start to prove that we're still going to be in good shape next year and that we are going to be able to keep this offense at the le- playing at the level or at least a similar level to what we've seen at times this year. So that that's what I think it is. Now, again, there's no guarantee Antoine Green could play in this game, but I think a lot of people have kind of come around on the thought of, hey, if there's any question about him, and especially with, they, they you know, again, it's, it's not officially confirmed out there. They haven't put out a release about this, but it is known within the program that it is a head injury that he is dealing with, a concussion. You want to be careful with those types of things. You don't want to have this extend further into you know into his career after Carolina, um, and and especially after football. Let's you know if you if you have to take it easy this week, if you have to roll with the other guys, then go ahead. But this is a chance for them to step up. When when it comes to the defense, you know we talked about it a little bit. But here's my thing about this defense: the fourth quarter they've stepped up and they played really well. I want to see. Can Carolina's defense get off to a faster start in these games? You've shown that you're capable of doing it when it matters, and ultimately I think that's the most important thing. But can you start showing it a little bit earlier in games? Can you become a defense that shows up in the first half and at least can hold opponents you know, to... 14 or less points, at least have Carolina in the lead at halftime because Carolina having to play from behind at halftime in every one of these games, we've said it. It's a recipe that has worked to this point. It could work again on Saturday, especially against this beat-up Georgia Tech team. But in the final two games of the season, it's far from a guarantee that that works. Yeah, and I wouldn't bet on it on Saturday because this defense, for some reason, they don't come out prepared. They usually give up an opening drive for a touchdown. Usually the first couple drives, they give up points, and then Gene Chizik starts to tinker. They really make the the, the, the few adjustments you have to make at halftime, and that's a big reason why, even though they're 9-1, they're ranked 13th in the college ball playoff rankings, and they're not a contender to make the playoffs. So, you know, on, on you know, in theory and on paper, you should look at this and say, yes, Carolina's defense should be able to come out here and give up, you know, maybe just seven, ten points in the first half. Should you have faith that that's going to happen? Absolutely not. Well, yeah, I, I would not suggest holding your breath for that to happen because, uh, I, I mean, at this point, we've been doing that for how long? How many years? And it just hasn't happened. I, I, I it's You're right. 
I think the the thing that they've got to get figured out because we've seen it so many times this year. They've done. They've had opening drives where they have gotten off the field. They've had you know first two drives they get off the field. They Notre Dame. Remember that game? They get off the field on the first drive, three and out, and then on the second drive have them in third and long, and let up a conversion. The first thing that goes wrong. When this defense is out there, it completely throws them off until that fourth quarter, it seems. And then they sort of stabilize themselves. But I just, that's the thing that's just blowing my, why is it that the first time something goes wrong, everything sort of breaks down? It's just, you've got, it, you've got to realize that, hey, even if we let up a long third down, which that's an area where they have to be a lot better at. We saw it so many times against Virginia, and we've seen it at times this year where they let up these big third and longs. Last week against Wake Forest, it was fourth down early in the in in the first half they couldn't stop them wake forest was four for four for their first four on fourth down and when it mattered carolina stepped up and made the stops but can you do that throughout the game it should be able it shouldn't just be hey we can flip the switch in the fourth quarter because there might be a time where you flip that switch and it just doesn't work you want to see it more consistently throughout the game and then the the last thing is is this is just Kind of overall, I think it really revolves around the defense. But are we in for another close game, or can this really be the blowout that we think is necessary? Well, not necessary, but that we think you know should be in the cards for Carolina. There are a lot of people that feel pretty confident that Carolina should be able to run away with this game, and part of that is they think Carolina's offense will be able to put up just a ton of points, and it makes sense. Georgia Tech's defense just allowed 35 points to Miami, whose offense has been pathetic. Before that game against uh, against uh, Georgia Tech, Miami hadn't scored a touchdown in their last nine quarters. So there's reason to believe that. But again, I, I, I wouldn't give the advice of holding your breath for that one. Yeah, no, I think you're still going to be in for a game that should that's going to be a lot closer than it should be middle part of the third quarter, probably going into the fourth. And the good news is that Carolina's, you know, they're, they're undefeated in one possession games this year, but you know, that usually means at some point, you know, the 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 luck runs out and you lose a game that you probably shouldn't lose. Don't think that's going to happen this week, but that's just another sign of, you know, if this game is a one-possession game in the fourth quarter, don't be surprised on Tuesday when you get those playoff rankings, no matter what happens in front of you, if Carolina, if Carolina stays put. Because that's that that's what you got to do when you're a team like Carolina to get the committee's eye. Winning isn't enough. You've got to dominate and overwhelm opponents. Carolina hasn't done that the way they should have for the majority of the season, but they got a chance on Saturday to do just that. Yeah, and and I think you know the one the game that I think this could sort of remind you of. I think Carolina would will be in control of this game for most of the way, and we'll do our score predictions here in just a couple of minutes. I remember the 2019 game down in Atlanta. Carolina pretty much led the entire way, but it was a game where you never felt like Carolina had 
officially put that team away. You always were kind of nervous that, hey, if Georgia Tech strings together a drive here, we could be in trouble. I kind of wonder if that's the type of game that Carolina could be in store for in this one. Well, we're going to talk about our predictions for the game coming up. We'll give those to you uh, as well as our keys to the game when we come back on this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast back right after this. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. Your pulse is racing. He kicks and you watch as the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Maybe you want to bet on one of your favorite Tar Heel players. Maybe you like Michael Carter and his matchup for the Jets that week. Or maybe you want to bet on the total number of tackles that Cole Holcomb will have in a game. You can do all that on DraftKings Sportsbook. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using the promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hey guys, welcome back in Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. Anthony Pegnata, Josh Marlowe with you. Let's get into our keys to a Carolina win. And I think number one, I just I, I'm I'm kind of where you're at. I think Carolina is gonna let up some yards in this game. I think Georgia Tech will have moments where they're able to move the football because Carolina's really struggled. Even against offenses like we saw Virginia struggling coming in. Carolina's let up yards. It's it's just an element of this team right now. But I think one of the big things that they got to do, they did it last week, and they've done it at times throughout the season. You have to create turnovers off of a third-string quarterback and, and, and sort of char- give your offense those extra opportunities. Yeah, something where we really want to, to really compete with Clemson in that ACC title game. That's an area where you're going to have to excel because I don't, you know, I I don't see this defense stopping even that offense, which has had its struggles. And usually, when you start creating turnovers, they come in bunches and they carry over. You had the the one last week, you know, or you had a couple last week, uh, you know, at Wake Forest with the fumble. You had the interception. Hopefully, that carries over. You're playing a bad offensive line. You're playing a third string quarterback. You're playing a team that can't move the football. So this should be a game where hopefully your defensive line is more productive, your corners are able to make plays on the ball, and you force two, three turnovers, and you make this game the blowout that it should be. Number two, I think, is you got to establish the run. Uh, We talked about it a little bit earlier, but look, this is a Georgia Tech run defense that has really struggled so far this year. I think that Carolina's more than capable. And you said, look, the fact that they're only trusting one guy, a little concerning. My thing, though, is is okay if you if you trust that one guy then let's lean on Elijah Green a little bit here. This should be a game where he should be able to have some success. I I just I want to see the running backs as a whole step up because Drake May should not always be the guy leading you in rushing. I, the important part though in this game is though establish that run game and really just establish your will on these guys 
up front because this is not a Georgia Tech team that should be able to push you around. No, it shouldn't. And, and the reason why you, you know, I want other people running the ball is because. You know, sometimes you you wait to see teams run their quarterbacks. Well, Carolina's had to run Drake May virtually all season long mm-hmm. because other guys haven't been consistently from week in week out being able to to carry their load. I mean, Caleb loves Caleb Hood's been hurt. Omari and Hampton and Petaway are freshmen. You know, but you haven't gotten what you wanted out of DJ Jones for the majority of the year. Elijah Green stepped up, but with that, Drake May's taking a little bit more hits than you want him to to take. And and so you know, this is a game where you should be able to hand the ball off to 21, get the other guys involved if you win at the point of attack. And Carolina's offensive line is looking for a bounce-back performance. Hopefully they can do that, and we're getting multiple guys carries because every time Drake May runs and takes off, we collectively as Tar Heel Nation, we're holding our breath. Hey, yeah, I mean, look, it's helped. His, it's certainly helped his Heisman chances. There's no doubt about that. That's a big part of why he's been able to have so much success. And the the element of him running the football has been huge. But you're right. That, that we do. You would like to see your quarterback take less hits. Look, last one. I want to believe in this defense. I, I want to believe that the way that this this Georgia Tech offense has been playing, especially lately, but really throughout the entire season, that Carolina should be able to hold them to what we saw them hold Virginia Tech to early in the season, or at least somewhere in that neighborhood. But I think at this point, again, this is a key that's been here for how many weeks in a row? It stays here because it's it has to be drilled into the offense's head at this point that the defense is just... It's something that you cannot count on from week to week. It's Carolina has to score, score, and score some more. Carolina's offense just has to continue to put up points. That's That's got to be the goal every single week that you take the field, and this week it's no different. Well, last time I checked the team that scores the most points, they usually win the ball game, and Let Carolina's defense isn't yes. good. Um, but neither is it, but it, and it doesn't really matter that this Georgia Tech offense isn't very good because I still think you know there's not going to be the weather that's going to impact this game like it did the Virginia Tech game. Carolina's defense still going to give up points. They're still going to give up yards. So this offense needs to come out and be prepared to score 35 points or more to give it themselves a chance to win. All right, let's get into our predictions for this game. Uh, as I mentioned, 21 and a half point line. I don't know if either one of us are going to be inside of that 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 line if we're willing to take Carolina and the over on that one. Um, but what do you have for your uh, prediction in this game? I've picked blowouts in the past where Carolina should blow out their opponents, like you know Virginia, and it didn't happen. So I'm not picking a blowout here. Don't trust the defense. I do trust Drake May and the offense. Give me Carolina 38-27 on Saturday evening in Keenan Stadium. All right. All right. Yeah, that's not too bad. I mean, you still you still have them hitting the over in that as well. Uh, yeah, there's going to be points in this game. I really think so. First of all, even at 38, I think Carolina's offense should be able to put up more than that. As I mentioned, that pathetic Miami offense put up 35 on this defense. So... I think Carolina should be able to get into the 40 range. I like Carolina 45 to 28. I think Carolina is still going to let up points. I just, it, 
until I see it with this defense, and even when I see it, I think it's it's going to have to be for a more consistent stretch moving forward uh, into next year. I just don't see any way possible that Carolina holds their opponent to you know what they held Virginia Tech to. I think you're right. I think this the, the, the weather played a factor in that game, but we'll see. I hope I'm wrong on that one. I like Carolina though, 45 to 28 over the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. So, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Make sure you head over to the website, heeltoughblog.com. Check it out. We have a preview up there for the Georgia Tech game. Me and Graham Hasty combined on this one. He gave you the team breakdowns. I give you a look at the stats as well as the injury reports, projected starting lineups for this week's game. And then after the game, make sure you guys keep it on the website, heeltoughblog.com, and check out the recap of the game. We will have that up. Uh, I will be driving this weekend coming back from the game so that will probably be a Saturday morning edition but uh, I'll have you covered on that and then we'll have Ashton's analysis on the website as well as the press conference takeaways the trench report and the stock report all for you guys like we normally do throughout the week and uh, it is the back end of the season here we're going to have you covered in terms of where Carolina stands in the college football playoff rankings Drake May uh, on the Heisman front and then of course we have you covered on the recruiting side of things make sure you check out the article that we put up midweek which tells you about a in-state target that Carolina has kept you know contact with even though he has been committed elsewhere and now the Tar Heels may have a shot to flip him before the early signing period closes. Make sure you check that out on the website. Uh, and uh, also while you're there, check out the basketball coverage. Carolina off to a 3-0 start to the season, but not quite the start that I think a lot of people were hoping for. Josh has had you covered all season long so far, and he will as we move forward. So make sure you check out the preview of the game against James Madison as Carolina looks to sort of put those concerns that some people have on the back burner at least for the next couple of days. That game, of course, a tip at 12 o'clock on Sunday. And then after the game, Josh will have you covered with that recap. So that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Josh for hosting with me. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Torian. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast, find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings, and the subscribing, that is for you, so you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition.